0: so thankful it's Friday afternoon, Frank Hefner. You know, have you ever been so excited to see a week come to closure?
1: Yeah, you've heard that saying, you know, thank God it's Friday. Yeah. We've been looking for that since Thursday last week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Get the Facts Jack, a weekly podcast from Jack County, Texas, sharing factual information to the citizens of Jack County. I'm your host, Judge Brian Keith Humphreys. As if I don't have enough things to do, but we're also podcast uh, promoters, producers. Hey, we're getting better at this, Frank Hefner.
1: Getting much better at it. And, yeah. uh,
0: what episode is this? Do you keep, I think we we're 19, 19,
1: I believe, is where not we're at. But, uh, not too bad. Not bad at all.
0: Man, we've got a special guest today, Mr. David Spiller, House District 68, our representative, our hometown guy, is here with us. And he survived the last 87th legislative session.
1: Call, I'm gonna have to call him our hometown hero he is because a hometown. he jumped in in a time that uh I'll tell you we needed somebody down in Austin and he he didn't he didn't hold up he uh he went flying he did, he did a wonderful job it was busy
0: it's it busy. was crazy yeah, yeah but really you know was. what you didn't miss a lick no I mean you hit it you hit the ground and you acclimated and man you made an impact when we needed it most well, so great
2: job well thank you how thank did you. it feel it felt great. I mean, really did. I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I came in felt like I was behind, and in some respects I was, but in other respects I really wasn't. Uh, my committees had not met yet. Uh, I came in on March the ninth, sworn in on March the 9th, and so I was there for the last eighty-four days. Everybody else had one hundred and forty days, but we got got a lot done, and I feel feel good about it. Incredible. Wow. And a brand new grandfather.
1: Yes, sir. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So, Thank Mr.
0: You. Carson was born a couple of days ago. He was. Healthy. And this uh, Carson belongs to Reed and Haley. And so, how many grandkids is
2: that's this? That's two. We've got uh, John Shepard, and uh, that's Mason Alex's son. He's Absolutely two. adorable. He is Probably one of the cutest kids he's you could head. ever imagine. Yeah, he's fun. And uh and he's getting more fun all the time. Yeah. So uh, and so he was the only one that we had and now we've got uh now we've got uh Carson, Carson James, and he is uh, just born and, and got to hold him coming back from Austin on Wednesday, swung by the hospital uh on, in Fort Worth and so uh, so anyway, I'm excited to see him again. So uh everything's great. And then Mason and Alex are expecting a child, uh, a daughter, so that's uh, she's doing... What a blessed event, huh? Yeah. Due in September, so...
0: Christmas at the Spiller House is (laughs) gonna be rocking, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And I gotta give a shout-out to Haley. She absolutely makes the most incredible sugar cookie (laughs) I have ever put in my mouth. I don't know what her recipe is or what her special formula is, but let me tell you, she has got a talent.
2: That's yeah. unbelievable. Production probably has slowed down the lex- next couple of weeks and the last week, but uh, I'm sure things will pick back up. I don't know. New mom.
0: yeah. Reed's going to be wanting to just take a nap. I guarantee right. you. That's <laughs> Reed's always wanting to take a nap. <laughs> well, we're so glad to have you. It's absolutely, uh, you know, it's an honor to have you here. Uh, you know, I know your time is valuable, and, and uh, I really appreciate you coming by and sharing with some of the things that's going on in District 68. And so we want to make sure that our listeners, you know, of course, gosh, Amadi, you know, whenever you were running for this position, you traveled to all the different counties that's involved. So, I mean, it goes to the panhandle of Texas, over to Cook County, and, I mean, along the Red River. uh, You know, I mean, there's a lot of country that's involved with this.
2: 22 counties. 22, and it's about 300 miles across, 200 miles north and south. So, So was
0: Austin what you expected?
2: Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, In some respects, it was kind of what I expected, and others maybe not so much. Uh, It just seemed, honestly, uh, you know, practicing law here in Jacksboro and doing all that we do with that and title company and all that, we're used to being busy, and – Sometimes in Austin you're busy, and sometimes it really was frustrating because it just didn't seem like things moved as quickly as I wanted them to, or maybe as as much as uh, you know I was used to. So it's a little bit different in that respect. Sometimes you're, things were in a hurry, and sometimes they're not. So, well, were
0: you um, were you surprised? Was the environment a conservative environment or a liberal cons- uh, both. environment
2: both uh you know i met a lot of really good people uh and there are people uh republicans and democrats uh good folks we may have policy differences about how we approach things and what we expect of government and and how we think things ought to function but uh there's some good folks on both sides of the aisle i made some really good uh friends good relationships with people down there that's why i'm excited about going back actually probably most everybody is not i am uh uh, but but uh uh no there's there's some good folks i met a lot of very good uh conservative folks and and uh i I completely disagreed with the approach that some of the democrats took but uh that's another story so
0: it was probably one of the most conservative sessions in history is that correct i
2: i think it would have to be either some that may say otherwise or people are Frustrated because we didn't get everything done we needed to, and we do have some unfinished business that we need to take care of, and that's why I'm ready to get back and get to work on that. But uh, if there's been a more conservative session, I don't know when it would be, uh, not in my lifetime, that I know of.
0: I mean, seriously, constitutional carry? Yeah. I i mean, y'all were successful,
2: in, and if I'm not mistaken, the governor signed that into law. He did. He did. Uh, I was at the bill signing in San Antonio at the Alamo. He signed seven uh, bills that day, uh, including one of mine uh, having to do with a holster bill. Uh, but he signed constitutional carry, um, uh, the bill that made us a Second Amendment sanctuary state, a uh, bill that uh, deals with suppressors made in Texas, uh, all sorts. There were a number, like i say there were seven of them that were all signed and all all good bills. Well, let me tell you, just a quick side note, that
0: suppressor situation, that is a super hot topic Topic And and it's one of those things that, um, I know a lot of our listeners, I mean, it's popular in Jack County because it's with hog hunting. Right. I mean, a lot of our, our guys that that's what they do. And so, but it's about a six month delay from the time that you order the suppressors available. But by the time you go through the federal process, it it's, it's ridiculous. You're almost out of the notion of buying it. I mean, that's, I've not purchased one for that whole reason, so now, if it's manufactured in the state of Texas and it remains in the state of Texas, then it cuts down on the time.
2: Right. And the federal government uh, should not be allowed to regulate that. And so that bill was actually, I co authored that bill. The primary author was Tom Oliverson, who is actually my deskmate on the floor and a uh, great guy, uh, maybe the smartest guy in the room. And uh, he did a great job with that bill. He does a great job with everything. He's chairman of the insurance committee. Uh, but, um, you know, he, he did a great job with it.
0: That's a, that's absolutely amazing. Now, the other thing is, is, is talking about a conservative session is the heartbeat bill. Right. And so I know that you had support from the governor, but you know, how did, how, how did that progress? What did, how did the conversations, uh, was it a heated battle?
2: Yes. I mean, and, and the Democrats fought it, uh, every step of the way, um, uh, and, uh, tried to offer different amendments. Uh, they did what they called chubbed on it, which means they get up and each one can talk for 10 minutes. And at that time of the session, you can go ask for another 10 minutes. So you can talk 20 minutes. So each one, and they ask questions of the author or sometimes the other member, when the author's done, then the, uh, someone else can get up and they can continue to ask questions of them back and forth and back and forth. Uh, you know, and so they did everything they could to stop that. But uh, it's but really a stall technique. It's it nothing
0: nothing more than using the rules of order to stall and slow down a process,
2: right? And so uh, but when you catch it early enough in the session, at some point you run out of time and you get to vote. Right. So uh, so that's what happened. Um, but uh, yes, the bill itself is when a heartbeat is detected. Uh, then, then they cannot; uh, they're prohibited from performing the abortion. So, uh, uh, very good bill. There were some other uh, pro-life bills that were passed uh, besides that one. Uh, one that uh, is kind of a if and when Roe versus Wade is overturned, that it would stop abortions entirely. There was also some funding uh, put into the budget: uh, hundred million dollars additional funding for. Uh, alternatives to abortion. So it was a very pro-life session, uh, pro-second amendment. There were a lot of, uh, you know, uh, religious freedom about the right to worship and that the government can't prohibit you from doing so. Uh, A lot of those type things, uh, public safety issues about prohibiting larger cities that were trying to and are trying to defund police, that that they'd be prohibited from doing that. Uh, Election integrity, we didn't get the, the the omnibus bill passed the the main one but uh, Senate bill 7 but we did get a number of uh, election integrity bills done and the, and the focus on that is look we because uh, there's been a lot of criticism about that process but the the main thing is it needs to be uh, make it easy to vote but hard to cheat right and so there was some cheating going on, and there's some uh, some folks that went rogue and did their own thing, and so we need to strengthen those laws. We need to strengthen the enforcement of those laws, and we need to make it more clear about what what elections administrators and so forth can do and what they can't do. Well, you know, in our district,
0: here's the, here's the problem.
2: The majority of our
0: population are in larger metropolitan areas, the Dallas area, the Harris County area, the San Antonio area, and the Austin area, And they are largely democratic. the The populace is growing that direction, correct? And there's power in that vote. And in our district, we are probably much more conservative. But I'm telling you, we're the ones that get out and vote. It that's important to our district. I mean, I bet you our percentage by populace is higher. The number of people that truly are passionate about the vote. But if if the if there's voter fraud or voter registration fraud in the largest communities in the Dallas-Fort Worth area or Dallas or San Antonio, it could change the
2: whole direction of the state of Texas very easily. And it's a problem when you have certain counties uh, that are just mailing out Ballots, whether someone requests it or not, and no proof of identification, no proof of anything, no validation. Uh, there's no way to track that, and just mailing these out, and they come back without knowing who may have filled it out, who received that, who who got it, who signed it, who sent it back. Uh, you're just asking for trouble, and there's no way that they can verify that. We've got to have auditable results. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of who's uh, in control uh, of our state government. uh, We we need to have verification, and the people need to have faith in their system, in their democratic system, that that elections uh, are run properly and fairly, and we need to be able to rely on that. I'm glad that that's a
0: hot topic, and I'm glad that y'all took action to do that. And I'll tell you, Jack County, we've already made arrangements for that, and we're moving that direction. And I think just last commissioner's court, we approved – to have our equipment upgraded, and we're preparing for
2: that. Right.
0: I mean, you got to.
2: Well, we got, we got some of those bills, the smaller bills passed, but the but some of the other major uh, concerns didn't get passed. That's when the uh, they were set to be sent passed the last night of the legislative session, uh, that Sunday night, and uh, on the on May the thirtieth, and that's when the Democrats uh, some of them quietly before, and then later all the rest of them all. Uh, in my view violated their oath left the building and did not fulfill their obligation, did not vote. And they just said, we broke quorum. Well you walked out and yeah, they still not is what you did. And so they, uh, they did that so that we could not vote on that bill. And we're left with that bill and a number of other bills, including bail reform and some of those other things that, that needed to be done. And we were not allowed to finish the work. So the governor's going to call us back rightly so and said, look, um, uh, I want this job finished. We need to get it done, and so I'm I'm ready to get that. That's going to start on uh, July the eighth. Yeah, I, one of my favorite
0: things is is usually on Friday afternoons, David will call me, and kind of give me a recap of what happened, and I I appreciate that David more than you ever know. That you take the time to communicate me directly. And call me and tell me, hey. Judge, heads up on this, this, and this. And then you always ask for my feedback. How is that going to affect our local community? And and that kind of response back and forth. And going back to your point about what the Democrats were doing to try to slow down the process or not have a quorum, is at one point you said, you know what, I went to the sergeant of arms and I said, why don't you just lock the dadgum door and keep these people from walking out? I mean, because it's very subtle. All of a sudden you're doing business you're at work and you notice they have selectively intentionally left the room to where
2: there can't be a record vote yeah, it's about ten thirty that night and i looked around the room i thought where is everybody and and uh <laughs> and that sounds like a funny question but but you know because sometimes somebody will vote for somebody else or people step into the lounge or they step in the hall or they do whatever but i went down to the front and i looked at the you know on the computer screen that they had uh, for the people that work there and And there were a few people that were absent, and the color on theirs was blue or something, and then there were all these that were purple. And I said, what does purple mean? And there was about 25 of them gone, I mean, that were that way. And they said, well, they have – that means that their voting machine, that means the key at their desk has been turned off, the key has been removed, and they have left the building. And so I thought – And they're
0: not Elvis Presley, by the way. No, no.
2: And so – and then before it's all said and done, all of them did the same. And so – Frustrating, very frustrating. It was one of the most frustrating moments I've had when I was down there, uh, one of two. And so, uh, uh, but we'll get it done and uh, get back and get to work and get that get hey, that done. Hey,
0: y'all spent many many late nights because again, mm-hmm. I'm gonna brag on you. It's it's almost midnight or later, and you gave me an update on a bill that was very important to me, and you knew that I was watching it. And you said, "Hey, we such and such happened," and I said, "I'm, I know, I'm watching you. I'm watching your video live feed." And so here we are having a conversation via text. Uh, you know, David's on the the floor of the house, and he is communicating with his constituents. And I
2: mean. That says volumes. Well, and I don't want you to think. Don't take this wrong. I don't want you to think that you're not special. But there, you were not the only. <laughs> <laughs> you were not the only what? one I was communicating. <laughs> Come I mean, on, I, David. well, I, you know, just like calling. Uh, usually, <laughs> if I'm. Coming in on for the weekend, I come in on Friday afternoon, or I'm leaving on Sunday evening, or whenever it is to go back. I try to spend all my time on the road, on the phone, and communicating with people in the district, and and that's why I try to get even people's cell phones if it's after hours where I can reach them, and I'm I'm trying to talk to everybody from county judges to sheriffs to superintendents to hospital administrators to city count, uh city council members, uh, mayors, uh, city managers, and just try to communicate with folks, uh, stakeholders within the district, just to let them know what's going on and reach out and say, hey, if, if there's something you need to let me know, you know, just I'm all ears. But you're accessible. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you truly care.
0: You don't you don't hand us off to a chief of staff, although Suzanne is amazing. Yeah. She does a phenomenal job. Uh, you know, Paige, my daughter, works on your staff. So I have – an inside advantage because Paige will take our phone call, you know, either from Karen or from me, she's always responsive, but I'm going to tell you it's about that lines of communication. And, and I know that you do that with every individual in your district. And I, I think that's probably one of the most impressive things is your passion and your desire to serve our community.
2: Well, thank you. I ran on and I talked about accessibility, how important I thought that was. And I, and I mean that, and I've tried to, to show that. And, but I will say this, I, I encourage people to call our office cause there are only one of me and there's uh, there were four now there, there's three of them and, uh, they work, they're still together. They're working full time and I encourage people to call them, but I have a great staff. Couldn't be more pleased with everybody that I have. And they're doing a fantastic job. So I want to tell you something. One of
0: his staff members is going to be going to Ted Cruz's office. And I heard the story that, you know, at first, you really hate to lose a good staff member because you count on them. Right. But then all of a sudden, the light bulb went on, and David goes, But wait, I've got a contact. That's in- right. He has <laughs> <a> contact. To- <laughs> and that's a little and, higher and level. And it is. And, and your first comment that you made was it's about building relationships and working together with your other colleagues that are like minded. And truly, it's not about you going down there and trying to cram 100 bills and get them passed. Uh, of your own agenda. It's about building those relationships because when you build those, that united front, um, you're going to have a more conservative session. Right. Um, you're going to keep Texas red. You're going to represent rural Texas in your district. Right. And to me, it's about that networking. It's about making the phone calls. So
2: yeah. We did a lot. I mean, I, was successful with a lot of other people uh, of getting a lot of things done for rural texas and uh with uh, you know we got an extra 123.5 million uh in the budget for rural hospitals that there was borderline whether it was going to get in or not with some with some funds that had been talked about in a previous session so i worked with the chairman of appropriations and the sub chairman uh of over that particular article in the budget and appropriations we got that put in we uh, worked hard and got some things for, for uh, schools, school districts within our whole district. Uh, there was in House Bill 3, the last session, uh, there was something need needed to be fixed for CTE, uh, career and technology uh, funding, uh, for small and mid-sized districts that didn't that component didn't get put in and so we made sure that that's there so those funds are there and that affects virtually every school district in house district 68 so i'm pleased with those things we had another thing uh, many things that we did and if i offered one i've uh i've prepared and and was ready to go to bat on several different amendments uh, uh many amendments on bracketing and saying, look. What you've got is a good idea for you. You're in an urban area, and that makes perfect sense. But some of that's not really necessary for us, or, or this has this financial impact on us. So in return, won't you bracket us out and and say any county with a population of less than 100,000, we're exempt from that. And so I had a lot of good, uh, you know, other uh, representatives work with me on that, and they were generally authors were cooperative with that. And so, uh, and if they weren't, then we turned up the heat a little bit. And so, but we got done what we needed to, to protect... Uh, you know, our district. Right. So the governor has, uh, has
0: called you back to Austin, July 8th, I believe is for the first special session. Uh, My prediction is, is you're going to have at least two. And so what is, what is the hot topic for the first special session?
2: Well, we won't know uh, the way special sessions work. The governor says, here's what's going to be covered. And, and here's the order it's going to be covered. Uh, and only those items will be considered. So, he has said previously informally that we're going to deal with, uh, election integrity. We're going to get Senate bill seven or some variation of that, that we're going to be considering. And he wanted that worked out before we got started. I, I don't know, uh, you know, if that's going to be able to be done, but we're going to get it done one way or the other. Uh, and, Secondly, is the bail reform act that needs to be done. There needs to be something about criminals, uh, repeat offenders, uh, uh, getting out, and there needs to be some guidelines for magistrates and so forth for, for doing that, so that uh, they can control that. And there's, let's just be honest, uh, everybody's entitled to to be, you know, a fair trial and to be reasonable bail, uh, but there are some folks that that uh, have shown themselves uh, to not. Uh, be worthy of that and while in the interim, while they're waiting trial that they need to be detained. And so our, our laws need to be strengthened and they need to be fair in that respect. And so that will be addressed. Uh, that was house bill 20 uh, in the previous session. Uh, we'll also huge topic is uh, border security and border funding. Uh, and uh, you know, that has to be dealt with. We have a crisis on the border and whether we like it or not, we as Texans are going to have to step up and deal with it. It's clear our federal government at this point is not going to, and so are not doing what needs to be done. And so uh, Texans, you know, need to protect Texans, and and uh, it's a dangerous, dangerous situation. We have people putting uh, their lives on the line down there daily, and we are going to have to address that. And uh, so that would be an item, uh, Article Ten out of the budget uh, that the that the governor vetoed the legislative portion of that would have to also be fixed or else nobody gets paid in the deadline for that is September 1st. So I would see him doing that. There was also at one time he mentioned that he may consider uh, the ban on critical race theory uh, mm. teaching. We did pass a bill uh, for that, but there were some issues with that bill. And uh, in some respects, it, it was somewhat watered down from what it, certainly from what it was originally proposed. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the governor didn't also uh, address that as well. Address it.
0: Well, now, recently you had the opportunity and had the invitation uh, to go down to the border and to see firsthand, uh, you know, the crisis about the illegal immigration. And so um, I also had an invite uh, the week before, I think, that you went. The governor had a uh, border uh, security uh, summit and called in all the uh, county judges and uh, across the state of Texas. There's 254 of us and uh, the sheriffs along the border and uh, all the, uh, you know, the local representatives of there in the Del Rio area. And I had really never paid much attention. I hadn't had the opportunity to travel down there. And I was amazed at – the distress. It it truly is a disaster area. It is, and the resources that um, you know the governor made the announcement that uh, in the eighty seventh legislative session that uh, you appropriated or you know the appropriation of a billion dollars through DPS to secure our border, and uh, then about the week later, whenever I think you were with him, he announced the building of the border wall, and so. Give us a little bit of an idea of what
2: you saw and what you experienced on your tour. Yeah, we, uh, I was going to be in Austin for the governor's press conference on the border uh, that uh, Wednesday uh, of last week, and then went down, uh, and and then we were going to uh, San Antonio at the Alamo for the signing constitutional care and the other citizens. And I was invited on that since I was a co author uh, to several of those bills. And so, from that, I said, "Hey, I'm going to be in San Antonio," and so I tried to set it up uh, to through my staff to try to, you know, have a meeting in Del Rio and let's have a, a border because I knew that we were going to address it. I wanted to be more and more educated on it, have the details I needed, uh, and, and thought that was my responsibility. So I asked for that. Uh, apparently, Senator Drew Springer did the same thing, and so they accommodated both of us. There were two of us that went down uh, from San Antonio. And uh, so that Friday morning, last Friday, we uh, they gave us a briefing, uh, probably very similar to what you received, uh, of the status and how things, um, how the cartels were working, and the danger involved, and the drugs, and the and the ammunition, and the human trafficking, and the other stuff that's going on, uh, as well as all just the mass influx of people. And uh, we did that, and then they allowed each of us to tour, and a helicopter took us over, uh, close to the Rio Grande, and up and down. And in the short time frame that we did that uh, in the helicopter, we saw, our helicopter saw five different groups of people just crossing the river, coming on over, and uh, then DPS will spot them, they'll notify uh, Border Security, Border Patrol, they'll come pick them up and so forth. But you have to, you know, that's just what we see. Uh, but while that's going on, uh, on the perimeters, there may be some of the other stuff with the uh, Uh, with the drugs and and the guns and the human trafficking and the other things that are going on that that we don't see. So uh, it's It's a a, terrible, terrible situation. It's a business. It is. For the cartel, it is a
0: business. And I guarantee you, they're educated. They know they have as many people in Texas working this side of the border to accommodate their criminal activities. Um, Director McCall, Stephen McCall with DPS, Said that illegal crossings had increased a thousand percent in the last year, and it is it is just because of the change of our president. It is one hundred percent. It's it's it is very intentional act by the cartel because of our our president's position on not securing the southern border
2: well and i have the utmost respect for dps and and my i had several questions but one of them is the additional training these mm-hmm. dps officers have to have to have because they're not trained like dps traffic officers that you know from 20 years ago these people are are trained Uh, tactical uh, training and combat training and all those type things because, uh, you know, they're called upon to do so much and they put their lives on the line every day. But they're working hard. And then Border Patrol is working hard. But Border Patrol, their hands are tied based on the mandates that have come from Washington. And so uh, they're doing the best job they can, but they're, you know, uh, their hands are tied somewhat. Uh, But we have got to do whatever we can. I was also fortunate enough – just uh, this week to be invited by the governor to come down this next week uh, when uh, former president Trump is going to be in uh, Edinburgh. He's coming to Edinburgh on Wednesday. And uh, so I will be there uh, with uh, governor Abbott and with president Trump. And we're also going to tour the border situation there in McAllen, because it's a little bit different situation than what you have in Del Rio, but there, but uh, Huge number of people are coming through Del Rio, but some of the stuff in McCown, it's it's somewhat different. So we'll have an opportunity to see that firsthand, and then we're going to uh, have a, uh, a town hall meeting uh, on Fox News with Sean Hannity and and uh, with uh, with the governor and President Trump and and a few of us that have been invited down. So I, I look forward to that.
1: David, David, explain explain to our listeners a little bit more of why you being our representative of District sixty eight. Why it's important for you to see what's going on down at the border, and how it affects us up here. We're we're, what, six, seven, eight hours away from that border, but why does it affect us here in 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 our area? That this is that it's important to make sure it's being taken care of down there. Well, I
2: mean probably threefold number one if I'm a state representative I represent uh, the district 68 but I also work for the state of Texas so right. I work for the whole state I look after the whole state all the issues that we deal with in Austin affect the entirety of the state and so I take that right. I take that responsibility very seriously and whether it's nearby me or whether it's in my district or if it's not in my district I still have that same obligation uh, and number two is everything that we do we're spending a billion dollars that we've that's in the budget now, and we had to pay $250 million that the governor uh, authorized to begin on the construction on the wall or pick up where we, where we left off and what all needs to be done there that was paid to the project manager. Um, those are all your, your dollars. Those Correct. are your taxpayer dollars. And you need to make sure that everything's being spent properly because it's going to cost the state of Texas a tremendous amount regardless uh, of what we do. It, we can't sit back and just let things happen because it, it has a huge cost to our infrastructure, our hospitals, our schools, our businesses, uh, everything. But the other thing is, uh, these folks don't cross the border and just hang around, uh, at the Dairy Queen and, and Del Rio. They are going all over the state and all over our country. And, and you've seen it. I've seen it. We have people that are coming through there are transit people coming through, uh, they came from somewhere, and we know where they came from, and and we, and our our uh, infrastructure up here has to has to absorb that same cost, yes, and it's a hardship on everyone. We have got to, you know, we need to enforce our borders, we need to secure our borders, and we need to enforce our laws. If we do that, then that's what that's that's what we're called to do as stewards uh, of our country and of our state and of our funding is that we have to do. Uh, those things, and if we're not securing our border, and we're not, uh, uh, you know, if we're not following up on everything that we need to, uh, we're we're doing ourselves and our and our state and our country a, a disservice when we don't we don't enforce our laws. Yes, sir.
0: I had an opportunity to uh, talk to Megan Hart, and she's one of our local troopers, and I, I think they're just now coming back. But they um, I, we have three troopers, and the troopers were assigned to Austin and to the Valley, and so uh, she told me, and she she reemphasized the same comments you have. She's been in the Lower Re- Rio Grande Valley, and she said that dynamic is a little different than when she was recently stationed in Del Rio. But one of the things, Governor Abbott, and I, I have to admit, I've got to change my attitude just a little bit about this, and uh, the county judges kind of showed our aggravation that. Um, The safety of our counties, our roads, because our troopers have been reassigned to the border security or Austin, um, then our roads aren't quite as safe, and that puts a burden upon our deputy sheriffs and our local police officers, because, I mean, for us, that's three additional law enforcement personnel, uh, SPEED, DWIRS, and whatnot. And um, so we were talking about our frustrations about that. He he stopped us for a second and said, these these men and women are going to defend the state of Texas, and they are being deployed just like our military is, is to protect our country overseas. Our troopers are going to the border to secure the rest of the state. So, yes, they may not be in Jack County, but they are – They are serving their state and responding to our instructions. And he said, then they're they're missing basketball games, Little League games, birthday parties, the birth of a grandson, all these things. So he he asked the the judges that were present to say, when you go back home, make sure that you explain to these people that are upset about not seeing their presence – to think about the sacrifices that these men, men and women are having to do by going in and basically securing the wall. And so it kind of changed my viewpoint of it just a little bit. And and
2: we're fortunate Megan Hart does a great job. She did two, two, uh, two different times. I saw her at the Capitol when I was there and we visited. Uh, but when people go to the border and they're called upon with DPS to do that, they're generally there for a two-week time period. And they're working night and day um, – It's an incredible amount of time and effort that they're spending. And, uh, you know, and just like the the guys on the helicopter, they come down and they're doing four-day rotations uh, and and flying in pairs and doing that. DPS has some helicopters and they're equipped and they've got cameras and they've got floodlights and they've got everything that they need. But, uh, you know, it's a lot of man hours and and a lot of tax dollars. But, you know, and you think, well, you know, if we put up a fence, we put up some border or finish the border that we have – would be much easier and we have all sorts of technology that we can monitor things. Uh, you know, I won't get into all the stuff that they briefed us on, but we, we have a lot of technology tied up in this process too.
0: It is, and, but it's important. And honestly, Washington not is, is not supporting these efforts at all. Now, now granted we have great border, you know, patrol officers that are putting their lives on the line and we appreciate that and they're doing their job. But there's no additional funding coming from our federal government to support these efforts. The state of Texas has made a decision. Governor Abbott, along with with our legislative, have basically said this is important and we're going to address it and
2: we're going to take control of our borders. Yeah. And I have, uh, you know, I've determined that I'm going to do everything I can to support that and and learn as much as I can about it and support it every way I can. I'm ready, to, like I say, ready to get to work. Uh, presumably that issue will be one of the top issues that we cover uh, on July the 8th, and I'll be ready to move forward with it. Yeah, that's good. Uh, good. I'm glad that you're going and not me. (laughs)
0: Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's the same concept. You're having, and you are, you knew this whenever you decided to go to Austin, but these special sessions get intense. And, I mean, these these are days away from your family as well, Working on the best interests of dis- District 68, and I mean that's in the same way you're serving our, you're representing our thoughts of rural Texas in Austin.
2: Well, and I'm excited. I I'm excited if nothing else from the standpoint that I get to go and start at the same time as everybody else. I don't I don't come in <laughs> two months late. Two months I mean, late, I, yeah. yeah. Well, and
0: there's rumor that you'll probably have a second one, and I know that will probably be specifically for redistricting. And that's a hot topic too, and especially as you look as a Democratic slash Republican argument, um, somebody's got to be there to stand the ground, right? And I think that uh, you know my prediction is a second special session will be focused upon redistricting.
2: Well, they we will have a second session, and it will focus on redistricting. I, I can tell you that for certain. Uh, the governor hadn't ordered it yet, but we know that that's coming. It wasn't able to be in the first in the general session because we didn't have all the data from the federal government. Uh, they've told us anywhere between September 15th and November 15th uh, to keep that time period open, and so I'm thinking earlier rather than later. Uh, hopefully, if we get all the demographic data and the other numbers that we need, uh, and hopefully that will happen. Uh, but I, I feel like our office is very well prepared for that. Uh, we're working hard on that, truly, and we have been for a good period of time. That's the, the, a very critical uh, issue for our district because we are rural, because we are spread out, because uh, of the nature of, of our district. I, I knew going in that's, that's the top issue, uh, certainly one of the top issues, and we are prepared for that, and we're working hard, and I, and I feel good about where we're going to be. That's excellent. Man, we're so
0: proud that you're in Austin representing us.
2: Well, probably also, before I forget, the uh, thank you for that. And, and the, we'll also cover the federal monies for COVID that were allocated to the state. That issue, we've been told, will also be covered in the second session. That's excellent. Good.
0: Very much so. Well, I tell you what, David, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for spending this time giving us an update of your first, uh, you know, three or four months uh, in this role. You have hit
2: the ground running. Well, thank you. And There's I've, no I, doubt about it. I've got, like I say, I've got a good staff. Uh, we're working hard, and, and we will continue to work hard. And, and I just look forward to continuing to, to serve, and I um, uh, intend to run again uh, for the spot. And so uh, we're working hard and trying to have the continuity of, of just picking up where we left off.
0: How's your wife holding up, Ginger. He's good. She's she? real happy
2: right now with uh with, <laughs> with that the grand grandson. So uh, but no, <laughs> she's she's doing great and uh, she'll now will be able to uh, she retired, finally retired, retired, and so we uh, uh, she'll have more time with me and so that uh, that helps. That's good.
1: You know I was gonna I was just gonna say, you know, I know you was jumping in and, and coming in as late as you did into this session and stuff, but it's it's amazing how God just puts you in the right place, right time. Got your staff to put it, you know together, and um, and just gave you the mindset to get busy the way you did. And well,
2: I I give God uh, the glory for that, and and truly um, I, I feel called to do it, and I, and uh, I certainly I feel like it's a God thing. I feel like sure. He has uh, put these people in my path and put a lot of folks uh, in contact with me and in my path, and I and I certainly appreciate that, and I want to do the best job that I can. Yeah.
0: We're praying for you.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Absolutely. David Spiller, House District 68, our hometown boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so very much, man. Thank I you. appreciate everything appreciate you Appreciate the do. opportunity. Thank right. you.